0: i Spaces Hello and welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Cosmos Spaces, hosted by Eric.io. Chatting with David Say of Babylon Chain. Let's take a listen. Hey everyone, I just sent um,
1: Babylon the, the link again to jump on so they might be here in, in a little
2: bit. How's everyone doing tonight? You feeling uh, secure? Bitcoin, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I feel uh, feel like it's coming. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Well, man, excited Excited to learn some alpha.
3: Yeah, I can't wait for them to unpack more about
1: Babylon. Yeah, oh, here, there's Vitalis. Let me invite him here to speak. All right, so, um, okay, hey, everyone, how's it going? Going great. How are you? Hello, Eric. hi, everyone. Hey, Fisher. Hey, David. Good to have you guys. Cool. Hey, is Eric? That- yeah, it looks like we're all finally here. I like it. This has been a long time coming. Cool. Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll wait a few a few minutes um like a minute or so just to allow people to to come on in. Um and I guess while we do that, um I can introduce the three people who aren't part of the team. Um I'm Eric from Cosmos Spaces one of the OG members of Cosmospaces and uh, occasional hosts, I was working on the background. Um, but, you know, I, I saw Babylon at Cosmoverse, and I it just, I had to talk to them. Um, it was a project that really stood out to me, so I'm so excited to be able to host this space today. And uh, during my research, I actually ran across Curious J. So Curious J, go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, uh, um, uh, my name is Yoni, uh, but I go by J on Twitter. And yeah, I found a, a YouTube video on David, say, with uh, someone uh, interviewing him on YouTube, like a couple months ago. But even before then, I was uh, DMing Sunny. He's like working on projects, and he mentioned Babylon even then. So I was fascinated by like uh, you know having Bitcoin security, and so I started just diving in and listening to every podcast he has been on. And uh, you know now I'm excited to have him on here with us and uh, have him share some alpha any developments and yeah just basically explaining uh, the significance of it so huge fan thank you and what was your name again curious i didn't catch it
1: joni joni okay hey good to meet you officially yeah and, nice. Then, nice. and then we we have marty who's also part of cosmos spaces go ahead, introduce yourself marty
3: nice to meet you joni uh hi everybody my name is marty and i'm the intern at cosmos spaces I'm uh, super excited for this chat tonight. I went to school for computer systems technician and have a bit of a background myself, just basic, but in networking and uh, protocols, IP routing. I used to work at Nokia as a lab technologist and I'm now a Linux system administrator for the federal government of Canada. And I can't wait to learn more about the project I agree with Eric. I think Babylon's speech at Cosmoverse was one of my favorites. So without further ado, I'll let Eric take the floor and can't wait to
1: hear more. Awesome. Thank you. So I, I like um I like to point out that, you know, like there's a lot of interviews out there, but there is no interviews with David and the rest of the team that I know of. So this is already going to be different and unique. So, you know, th- I want you guys to to recognize that. Uh, David, go ahead and introduce yourself, and then we can let the rest of the team introduce themselves.
4: Sure. So, Eric and friends, great to be here. By the way, can you guys hear me? Is this clear?
5: Yes, you are clear. Yeah.
4: All right. Before I talk for half an hour and uh, nobody heard me, that's not be really good. Yeah, so I'm a professor at uh, Stanford. We have a research group at Stanford do research on layer one consensus protocols. So, we've been doing a lot of projects with uh, various teams. For example, we had a project on, still ongoing project on
5: improving the beacon chain design of Ethereum, POS Ethereum. And uh, so that's our background. All right. Thank you, David. Uh, let's go with Vitalis next. Um, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you okay awesome uh, hi everyone uh, this is vitalis uh, i'm a builder of babylon
6: and yeah i'm doing everything in between systems uh, blockchains and software engineering in general i'm very happy to be here and uh, looking very much forward
5: to our discussion
1: thank you vitalis and fisher go ahead
5: hello everyone i glad to be here today
6: and um, this is fisher Uh, I'm the founder and CTO of Babylon, have been doing uh, uh, blockchain security for the last three, four years of
7: dedicated.
1: All right. Thank you. So before we begin, I just kind of want to talk about my mindset and first seeing David and finding out about Babylon. And just so I I can get the rest of the audience to kind of know, you know, why I got so excited to, to have you guys here. So, um, I was at Cosmoverse, uh, Lil Gaines was emceeing and so I'm going to go over there checking on him, you know, making sure he, he's good. And then I see David at the stage, like he's constantly walking at the stage. And so in my mind, I'm thinking David, it's part of like the OmniFlex team or something. And, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so like he, he was just like, you know, like doing stuff there. So I was like, man, this this guy is like intense. And so, um, I remember Gaines was freaking out because like it is a little bit behind the scenes. Um, the speakers that were supposed to come on next like weren't there or something had happened, and so he's freaking out, and then I see David take the stage, and I'm like, did did this guy just decide he's going to talk to the audience? like, what's going on?
7: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so um but like 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 now that like I've gotten a chance to talk to David, it just kind of shows me the kind of guy that you are, David, because you like to do things the right way. Um, just yesterday, David jumped on a test base with me to make sure like this would go smoothly. And so it just kind of shows me like, you know, how you are, David, like you don't like to do things without knowing like what the outcome is going to be. So it just shows me the kind of person that you are and the kind of team that you've built around you. So, you know, that's so cool. And uh, also you're really funny. Like when you started, like, I remember it was, I was already getting tired. And, um, you come on stage and then you just start talking and I was like immediately captivated, like you're a good speaker and you're funny. Like you talked about Zaki, uh, you thought up until now, you thought Zaki was only advising your project. And then you had just seen his speech where he had like, uh, like 15 or 20 other projects <laughs> he's talking to. So was, <laughs> It was so funny, but yeah, you like, you do such a good job of explaining things that are really complicated. Uh, in a way that even someone like me can understand so i'm looking forward to so much like things that you said um really really caught my interest and so i definitely am looking forward to the rest of uh, our chat tonight and uh i know it's going to be really good and you're not going to disappoint
2: well that uh resonated me with david is that i I believe he had um you know uh was doing genomics uh, prior to blockchain and it was really cool because it's it's cool seeing like a lot of people in the medical and scientific field, you know, dive into the blockchain curiosity of things and then to start building stuff. Like I started a, uh, you know, crypto education consulting company with my friend um, Ryan. He's also listening here. But, you know, when you when you hear uh, people coming from different fields and take uh, interest into Web3 and build something that's like truly incredible, it, it's pretty amazing. So definitely caught my interest.
1: Yeah, you're right, Jenny, and, and actually, that kind of leads me into like what I want to start talking about. Now, there is some great podcasts and great interviews that David has done with CryptoCito, Zero Knowledge, and a few others, and I'll share them up here on top of this space. So if you ever want to get like a deep understanding of like his history, um, you can definitely check out those videos. But I just kind of want to loosely talk about um, your background, David. Um, I know that you worked with Qualcomm.
4: Yeah, so in an earlier life, I used to work on uh, wireless communication. So many, many years ago, wireless communication was where blockchain is right now, which is a lot of interesting new infrastructure problems to be put up, you know, wireless went from zero cell phones to five billion, four billion cell phones within the span of two decades. So there was a lot of infrastructure built in a hurry. And I was in the thick of it uh, many years ago. So that was my earlier life.
1: Yeah. And you, in one of the interviews that I saw, you said something really interesting. You said that because it's so young, the infant in, in its infancy, basic research can have a huge impact. So you did that when the wireless communication, you, you, know, you found a way to um, best use bandwidth. And so you're bringing kind of that to blockchain. You're, you're finding out better ways to, to use the blockchain?
4: Yeah, I think uh, when an infrastructure of a new technology is being built, you kind of have a clean slate, right? So for example, in wireless communication, it used to be that people use their phone mainly, almost entirely for making you know, phone calls, talking on the phone. But that's not the case now. People use their phones for doing many, many different things, the least of which is actually talking on the phone and uh so basically the the challenge there was, hey, how do you build uh wireless communication infrastructure for data for data and that was what I worked on Free, clean slate
1: yeah yeah that which is really um really interesting and it's it's crazy because um you you were saying that at first with the research you you talked to like these companies with they weren't they were skeptical at first right they weren't Kind of believing what, what your research had found and then when you implemented it you guys actually were able to best use bandwidth
4: yeah because you know people have been a lot of the wireless engineers in those days are used to designing uh voice communication so when it comes to data it's like a totally different ballgame but the mindset is still the old mindset so when we were doing our research, our research was clean slate. So we were just starting the design from a pure data point of view. And so a lot of conclusions were very different from what we would have gotten in a voice application. So that's why people were very skeptical in the early uh,
5: beginning.
1: Yeah. And um, how, how long did you work in like that wireless communicate, wireless networks or an in information theory before you went to blockchain?
4: Yeah. So I worked on that area for probably around a decade or a little bit more than a decade. And that decade includes mainly academic research at Berkeley. I was at Berkeley at that time. Uh, But also I spent time with uh, companies like Qualcomm and also startups in the wireless space. I worked with a few startups, uh, working with them on the technology.
1: Yeah. So like... Everyone like you are you know a very bright man who um who knows what he's doing, so just you being interested in the blockchain and you know working here is like a huge gift for us, I think um I know that you said you took a year off to better study the blockchain. Could you tell us about that year?
4: Yeah, so you know about a few years ago, four or five years ago. I didn't know anything about blockchain until one of my colleagues approached me and said, hey, you know what? We have some resource that enables you to spend one year away from university and just do some clean slate thinking, clean slate thinking again, on this entirely new area called blockchain. I said, what's that? What's blockchain? And then my colleague gave me Nakamoto's white paper, only nine pages. And I spent some time reading the nine pages. I said, whoa, man, this is amazing. And so that's the beginning of my one year. And that one year we learned by doing. So again, we start from a clean slate and we start thinking, okay, if I want to design a blockchain as secure as Bitcoin, but with higher throughput and much better latency, what would I do? And uh, that's my introduction to the blockchain space. Introduction by doing.
1: Gotcha. And I'm I'm glad you're mentioning throughput and latency. I want to talk about that a little bit later. One thing that I wanted to ask you about that year that you took off, um, I also heard that you said that sometimes it's better just to talk to people than to be reading papers, to get better acquainted with something. So how much of that was actually going on during that year? Were you just reading a bunch of white papers or were you actually just working with people?
4: Actually, actually, I would say that... Uh... My main uh, activity at that time was neither talking to people nor reading a lot of papers, but really just know enough about the area, for example, reading the Nakamoto's white paper. And then just sort of think, okay, if I were to start without any bias, any prior bias, what would I do to design a really high throughput and fast latency protocol? And so once we have some ideas on how to do that, then we start reading more papers and talking to more people to get their feedback. But I think it's important to sort of do some first principle thinking by yourself or within a small group in our case. We, had, we have about three or four very smart people working together, including one of my students, a very smart student, and also you may know him, Sriram
5: Kannan, who is now um, running the Eigenlayer project.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that's some some big brains there. Um, Could you explain to us like what throughput is and what latency is?
5: Yeah. So you know, uh, Bitcoin is really well designed. It's a very secure protocol, but it has two
4: drawbacks. One is that the throughput is very low. So what does that mean by throughput? Throughput means how many transactions you can process per second. In the case of throughput. Bitcoin, it can only process seven transactions per second. All right. So obviously, seven transactions per second is not going to be able to support the whole world of users to use this blockchain. So the throughput is very low. Number one. Number two is the latency. What what do I mean by latency? By latency, I mean that the time between I make a transaction to the time that I can confirm the transaction to the other party. That is, the transaction is in the blockchain and it's not going to go away that latency in bitcoin is of the order of an hour or more and so that's really slow and so those are the two issues that bitcoin suffers from
1: okay thank you yeah that that does put it in like easier terms for for me and I'm, and I'm sure the audience to understand um now i know that you worked on a protocol called prism and you were trying to Kind of fix some of those issues right in prism
7: yeah
4: so prism was the first research paper we worked on and it is precisely asking the following question which is okay bitcoin has low throughput bitcoin has bad latency but bitcoin has really good security how do i retain the good property of bitcoin and yet achieve a high throughput and a low latency So the first question we asked was, okay, what is the ideal protocol? In other words, what is the highest throughput that a protocol can achieve? And what is the best latency that a protocol can achieve? So that kind of sets the bar, the upper limit to what we can achieve. And once we understood that, then we designed this protocol prism, of course, after quite a few months of research and thinking, which actually achieved those upper limits.
1: Okay. And, and what's happened to PRISM um, now?
4: Yeah. So PRISM was a uh, research paper that we worked on. That was the first project we worked on. And actually PRISM uh, has been implemented in various projects. And maybe actually Fisher, since Fisher's here,
6: he can tell you a little bit about that.
1: I would love that. Go ahead, Fisher.
6: Yeah, sure. So David and I have been working the last few years on various projects that are interest in prison. So uh, one noticeable one is in uh, with IOHK, the, com- the company behind uh, Cardano. Yeah. yeah, now it's IOG, uh, Input Output, Georgia, uh, global. Yeah, so they so they were looking for like the optimal proof of work. A consensus protocol to support. Uh, by that time, their new chain called uh, Midnight. So they they found Prism to be the most promised one. So we developed a proof of concept uh, of Prism and integrated with their application layer in, in 2020. Okay,
1: it, it, is that why Cardano can like unbond immediately because they're using Prism, or am I wrong no, there?
6: Uh, a uh, uh, PRISM was, uh, was a separate project uh, okay. parallel of Cardano. Yeah. So okay, we gosh. ship the proof of concept.
4: By the way, Eric, I want to clarify this, which is the unbonding time and PRISM is kind of totally orthogonal. Yeah, Prism' okay. goal was just to maximize the throughput and reduce the latency. And it is a proof-of-work protocol, so there is no issue of unbonding. Gotcha. Cardano, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is a proof-of-stake protocol and why could unborn very quickly that's a different story entirely
1: (sighs) (laughs) all right all right so um now that we're talking about like proof of work proof of stake um i noticed that you mentioned uh proof of space i had never heard of that before do you know like what protocols use that and could you tell me a little bit more about proof of space
4: yeah so proof of x right so uh, proof of X what, what, First of all Maybe a more basic question Is why do we need To prove something Right Who do we yeah. prove it to mm-hmm. So The problem With blockchain Is that As opposed to Most other systems That were built In the history of mankind Is that It is a Permissionless system
5: That means that A blockchain Anybody can join Anybody can participate This is very different From You know Google Or Facebook right
4: you can't just participate in the company for no reason and so to allow and so the problem is once you allow everybody to participate then there could be bad actors that can participate so the proof of x is to say that you have to to participate you have to come up with some resource you have to spend some resource on the system to sort of have some skin in the game okay so that's why we yeah. need proof of something. Now, the first blockchain, permissionless blockchain is Bitcoin, is proof of work. So you need to do a lot of computation, a lot of work, spend a lot of energy. Proof of stake is that you have to now get a stake in the project, and you have to show that you have sufficient stake to participate. However, space, a time, work and stake is only two forms of resource. There can be other forms of resource. And what you mentioned
5: was space. So, space means what? It means that hey, I have a lot of this space. This space is a resource. And the more space I have,
4: the more resource I have. So, proof of space are is a set of protocols that basically allows people with a lot of space—that is, a lot of hard disk space—to participate in the protocol. And the more space you have, the more share you
5: have in the the uh, system. So an example of such a protocol uh, is um, Chia. I don't know if you've heard of Chia. C-H-I-A is an example of a proof of space protocol.
4: Another example okay. of a proof of space protocol is called Filecoin. Filecoin is another proof of space protocol. Actually, that protocol is a hybrid between proof of space and
2: proof of stake.
1: Okay. Yeah. I wasn't familiar with those two, um, but that's really interesting.
2: Um, is Filecoin work in proof of space or is it proof of stake? I proof of was... stake
5: and proof of space. It's a combination of proof of stake and proof of space. I
7: believe. Yep. Yeah.
1: So um, you were stu- You know, you were looking at Bitcoin proof of work. What? Just you just wanted to know more about proof of stake, or what caused you to kind of shift your focus over to proof of stake?
5: Yeah. So.
4: You know, you asked a question about, so what happened to PRISM, right? So, yeah. you know, Fisher gave you an example of a system realization of PRISM. But maybe your question was, hey, why is like PRISM not like the top 10 chain in the world or something like that? Maybe that was your question. <laughs> yeah, so let me one just one. <laughs> give a straightforward answer to that question is that when we did the research on PRISM, uh, of course, we, were think- we had some thoughts on commercializing it. But at that time, you know, the world is kind of moving from proof of work to proof of stake. So that was a bit of a headwind in terms of commercializing prism. And so at that point, we start thinking, okay, so let's look at proof of stake protocol more carefully and sort of understand what are the advantages of proof of stake protocols over say proof of work and what are the potential disadvantages? And that's when we started looking at more carefully proof of stake protocol. That was about three years back.
1: Do, do you remember what different uh, ecosystems you looked at?
4: Yeah. So one chain we look at quite carefully is the Cardano chain. They have a very nice proof-of-stake protocol called uh, Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Uh, and we looked at that quite carefully. Another proof-of-stake protocol we look at quite carefully is the Ethereum proof-of-stake protocol. That protocol... The pu- their paper on that protocol was published about two years ago, came out two years ago, and our lab at Stanford looked at that quite carefully. So those are the two main family of protocols. They're very different proof of stake protocols yeah. that we looked at rather carefully. Yes. Th-
1: this is actually what really caught my attention at Cosmoverse when you started talking about when you started looking at Ethereum. Um, because you guys found some some security right issues whenever you guys looked at uh, at those papers. Yeah. So
4: so consensus protocol has a very long history, 40 years of history. Typically in a consensus protocol, one hopes that when one design a protocol, one can also come up with a security analysis, which says that that protocol has a certain level of security guarantee. Okay. What we observe about the Ethereum pay, uh, work though, is that there Security analysis, in that paper at least, was flawed. Flawed. And in fact, no only was it flawed, we were able to find some attacks on that protocol. So that got us interested. so hey, wait a minute. Ethereum is like the number two chain in the world. <laughs> Why is the security protocol not so secure? It has an attack. So we yeah. immediately, being a good citizen of the world, we immediately alerted the Ethereum Foundation team and said, hey, you know what? There's some issue with your security analysis, and actually, we found some specific attacks on your protocol, and that's actually how our collaboration started.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. the the, and I remember uh, you said you guys reached out to them and didn't hear back, right?
4: Yeah. So our first attack on the protocol, we documented it and we put it on the Ethereum research uh, blog post, uh, and uh, we alerted
5: Vitalik and his team, hey, didn't hear back for a few months. Okay, right, hmm, did we find the wrong attack? Or is this attack they don't care? They don't care there's an attack? That's a little bit weird. In the
4: meantime, we find a second attack, which is actually a much easier attack to execute than the first attack. And we send it to Vitalik again, say, hey, you know what? We find another attack, guys. And this time we heard back and said, you know what, we know because we actually have been working on your stuff in the past six months. We also find similar type of attacks that are much easier to execute. And in fact, we are working on a fix all these times while we're silent. So that's when we start talking and said, hey, you know what, we have this fix now. Can you guys take a look at it and see whether or not you can do a formal security analysis of this new protocol that we come up with? So that was.
3: Yeah, I was just going to come in and ask uh, I was reading some of your blogs earlier and I read about how the proof of stake chains such as Cosmos zones have certain security limitations compared to proof of work chains I was just wondering if you can explain some of these limitations and have you found any attacks on protocols in the Cosmos yet? Yeah
5: so um, there is So proof-of-stake chains, actually the idea of of proof-of-stake has been around for quite a long time, even in the early days
4: of Bitcoin, back in, I think, 2012 even.
5: There's already some ideas on designing proof-of-stake protocol. However, one reason why there was a lot
4: of uh, concern about proof-of-stake protocol is that people... Figure out that there is one type of attack. There's one type of attack that somehow nobody could come up with a satisfactory
5: solution to. And this is what we call a so called stake reuse attack, which means that
4: because in a proof of stake protocol, your stake is the basis of security. The concern is that when you unborn your stake, from the chain, then you can still use the stick to attack the same system as though you were in the system at, from the get go. So, actually, I went back recently on looking at some of the early papers on proof of stake. This problem was already realized very well uh, said in 2014. And so, this problem is actually turns out in our very recent paper. We figured out that actually, this is a fundamental problem of proof of stake network. In other words, there's no way you can fix this problem, just relying on the proof of stake blockchain as the sole consensus mechanism.
5: You have to add some external source of trust to rescue the proof of stake protocol from this stake
4: reuse attack. It's a fundamental problem.
2: And... Ooh. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, so have you looked at Algorand? Because I think Algorand has, a, you know, instant uh, unstaking um, for for their protocol um, where you don't have to wait for a long time for you to, to unstake. Um, and basically what you guys are accomplishing. But I, I, I don't really quite understand how that works for there. So like when you're saying uh, like this problem has a fundamental flaw you' you're stating that it's it's in all proof of stake protocols right not just cosmos not just Tendermint bft or, but uh ethereum beacon chain and cardano or boris or basically yeah, all yeah
4: right exactly so i can go i can explain a little bit why Algorand uh has this instant as you said i don't think it's instant but very fast and bonding fast and bonding. definitely much faster than cosmos twenty one days so so there are two reasons why, so Algorand, so I, I said, right, I said that when you, and the concern is that when you unbond the stick, okay, you can use your old keys, you can use your old keys after you unbond to attack the system as though you are still in the system. But at the, at this moment, you've unbonded already. Okay, so that's the attack. Now, how Algorand dealt with that is to say that they in, they use a technology
5: called key evolving signature, which means that when you sign, when you sign, then you will
4: automatically forget your old signature so that when you unborn, you already forget
5: about what your signature is. Now, however, this protocol really relies on honesty, honesty
4: of the users because if a user wants to leave the option open, to attack the system, then they would not forget because forgetting is under their own control. So I think that's sort of the issue of the algorithm solution. Thank you so not much. Not very incentive
2: compatible. Right, so it, it, it's, it's still a security flaw nevertheless.
4: Yeah, because you know, Cosmos, on the other hand, the, 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 the full design of Cosmos, the main goal is to maintain security by the ability to punish the attacker through slashing through slashing in other words taking away the bonded stick uh is is not able to do that because of this reason it's just relying on the
5: honesty the 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 sort of the the uh, honest samaritan of the uh stakeholders awesome thank you thank you
1: yeah, that, that's actually um, pretty crazy. So it's kind of like validators themselves would be the ones attacking or, or being dishonest in order for them to get slashed, right? So that's kind of crazy. Yeah,
4: so so that's why Algorand has another fallback mechanism, which is to use a website, if I remember correctly, they have a website where, where they put the checkpoint on the website. And so that allows a newly joining client to check the website to make sure that they got the right chain and not get fooled by the attacker. But that requires the external source of trust, in this case, the Algorand Foundation, to set up the website.
1: So is that kind of like what you talked about um, in one of your interviews, you're saying that the bad thing about proof of stake is that there's not someone watching it 24 seven. In Bitcoin, there is, you know, it's just the blockchain itself is kind of like watching itself. So is that kind of like what Algorand try to do then w- yeah. by having that website? So,
4: exactly. So all, So basically that's what I'm saying. All proof of stake protocol by itself is not secure against this attack, requires some external source of trust. In the case of Algorand's website, which is run by pro- pro- probably Algorand Foundation. Uh, in the case of Cosmos Zones, for example, uh, the Cosmos Zone basically says, hey, you know, this quick unbonding is no good. Let's do 21 days of unbonding. And it requires now the community, the Cosmos Zone community around it, to sort of come to an agreement on what is the correct chain. That's a very slow process because humans operate very slowly. And that's why it's 21 days. And so Babylon is basically proposing hey, all we need is basically some external source of trust instead of. Relying on the community, you know, there's a lot of pressure on humans. Why not use Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin is very secure. It's always on, so it's always watching, and therefore, by appropriately timestamping on Bitcoin, that would be able to identify for any clients what the correct chain is and would not get fooled by the attacker.
1: That that's awesome. Uh, like that was definitely something. And that when I saw the Cosmoverse, I was like, wow, like that makes complete sense. But before I go further into that, um, I wanted to to ask you why Cosmos. Like you guys are looking at all these other I, I want, you know, like the audience to know what made the Babylon team decide that Cosmos is the place that we need to build this protocol on.
4: Oh, because we bumped into Zaki and I, we thought Zaki was the only, advise, was only advising on a project that we, we thought it was show for
1: <laughs> No. That's awesome.
7: No, <laughs> no actually,
4: uh, we actually had a chat on this with uh, CryptoSito and actually before we met uh, Zaki, we have already converged on Cosmos as our uh, our ecosystem to initiate our project Babylon because you know the Cosmos ecosystem has this really interesting architecture which is the app chain thesis app chain thesis uh, by the way Sunny and uh, Zaki had a really good uh, discussion at uh, Bankless podcast on. Um, the Cosmos thesis, which I recommend people to listen to. Yeah, I was just well. listening
1: to it today. Yeah, it was good. They're really good.
4: And the AppChain thesis basically say that, hey, if you build a blockchain, instead of building one single monolithic blockchain, why don't we build one blockchain for every uh, application so that there's a good integration of the of the application with the layer one consensus? So you can, for example, tailor your consensus to the particular application that you're building. So that's a really cool idea. But one potential drawback of this idea is security, right? Because instead of, if you have a one big blockchain, then clearly it's more secure than having many small, smaller blockchains. And so therefore, we thought that since we are building security as a product, as a service, then we should be going to ecosystem where security is most needed and appreciated, and so that's why we chose Cosmos.
1: And we're we're very honored that you did. Um, I I remember, didn't you say that while you were talking to Ethereum, you guys actually found a successful way for them to do their proof of stake, right?
7: Yeah.
4: So, uh, so yeah. So the Ethereum. So we're now switching back to Ethereum. We started talking to Vitalik and his team. And um, uh, Vitalik came up with a proposal to said, hey, I think we can fix your attack. Here's the proposal. After a few months of working hard on this proposal, we figure out, oh, sorry, there's another attack on your proposal. So we go back and forth, attack, defense, attack, defense. And finally, <laughs> finally, we came up with a protocol that is a variant of the original protocol. So it's not a totally different protocol. So it's there. But yet we can prove that actually it's secure. And uh, right now, this is the, our best proposal on the table. And we're hoping that either this one or some version of this one can get into production at some point and uh, multiple rounds of evolution of this merge.
1: Yeah. The, the reason I was asking you that was because I was wondering if it had anything, the solution that you found had anything to do with like Babylon and, and timestamping on Bitcoin or was it something completely different?
4: Yeah, it's totally orthogonal. Actually, uh, the funny thing is that the Babylon timestamping solution is kind of a, uh, using Bitcoin to solve some long-range issues with proof-of-stake, whereas our solution to the Ethereum protocol is actually trying to fix some short-term issue with the proof-of-stake protocol, which more specifically is the reorg problem. So, the okay. real problem is actually another public proof of stake protocol that people find is that they can reorganize blocks to get so called uh, MEV, minor extractable value. And our work there was in that direction. So, totally different direction from Babylon, but, but the only commonality is that they're all layer one issues, consensus yeah. issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just wondering that when I was hearing the interview. So, I wanted to ask you that um, since I was going to get a chance to. Um, I did want to just let people know, because uh, while I was talking about, hey, I'm going to be interviewing Babylon, people seem to think like, oh, why, why do we need Babylon if we have Namek? And so I want people to know the difference between Namek and Babylon. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like Nomic brings Bitcoin assets into Cosmos, while Babylon brings Bitcoin security into the Cosmos.
4: Totally good summary. Thank you.
1: Awesome! Awesome! Thank you for for confirming that. I was wanting to make sure that was good. Um, why don't you explain? Since we we we're saying time stamping and all this stuff, but we haven't really talked about what that means. Could you explain what time stamping on Bitcoin means?
4: Yeah. So uh, everything started with Nakamoto's white paper in blockchain. So this idea is no exception. In the Nakamoto's white paper, he mentioned one thing. He said, "Hey." I'm building Bitcoin, and how should I think of Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a time stamping server. Just Nakamoto's words. So what does that mean, right? What he means is that you know, the whole idea of consensus is to order a bunch of transactions, and ordering a transaction is like putting a timestamp, a irrevertible timestamp on every transaction, every Bitcoin transaction. So that's why he calls Bitcoin a time stamping server. So the observation here is that, so Bitcoin can go is the app. So Bitcoin is an app chain. It is timestamping its own application, which is Bitcoin transactions. But however, it is also a general purpose timestamping server. So in other words, if you have some events in the outside world, outside of the Bitcoin blockchain, you can also use the reliability of Bitcoin to timestamp that event. For example, if you created a file, a very important file today, October 11th, and you want to prove to the world that this file was created on October 11th, you could put a compression of this file, technically the term is called hash of this file, and put it as a transaction onto the Bitcoin chain, and that will timestamp the fact that this file was created on October 11th, okay? So our observation is that this kind of timestamping is very useful in particularly for proof e- timestamping events on the proof of stake chain. Because one problem with proof of stake is that when you create when an attacker created a block to attack the system, you really don't know whether the attacker created this block very early on, in which case it's not an attack block, or created very late. In which case it is an attack block. So, this temporal uncertainty is what causes all these problems with proof of stake blockchain. And time stamping it on Bitcoin will now be able to distinguish me from the correct chain, which is built early, to the attack chain, which is created late and allows any client to reject the attack chain and keep
2: with the correct chain. Hey, David. So that, that's a. Quite a compression here so, yeah, so regarding this, um, how fast can it timestamp like would it be able to handle all the the IBC transactions uh, on the, the certain chains of the cosmos, like let's say osmosis is handling a lot of volume on a day, like would it be able to throughput of all, all those transactions to timestamp on uh, Bitcoin
4: Yeah, so I think one very important distinction between two concepts: one is throughput and two is latency, okay? So I think here, what we should focus on is the latency issue, which is sort of, what's the delay in time whenever, when we get the timestamp of an event,
5: okay? So uh, because of the slow nature of Bitcoin, this timestamping information will indeed be obtained Rather takes
4: rather a long time to obtain, which is of the order of a few hours. Now, a few hours is certainly slow compared to the standard confirmation time on a Cosmos zone, which is typically a few seconds. So, therefore, uh, this kind of technology is not really to compete with the fast confirmation
5: of a proof of stake chain. However, this kind of technology. Is really useful for uh, some selected
4: very important transactions. Not all transactions, but very important
5: transactions that you want strong certainty about. So, an example of such a transaction is stake unbonding.
4: Suppose I want to request to unbond the stake, right? This is a very important transaction because. The stake is securing the chain. If I unbond it, that means I remove it from the security. So that's a very important request. And using the timestamp on this very important transaction will allow us for the first use case that we've studied, which is fast unbonding. So so I think very important concept is that Bitcoin is not meant to or Babylon or timestamp on Bitcoin is not meant to replace the fast consensus of Uh, the typical transactions on the Cosmo chain, but it's used to protect certain important
2: transactions on the Cosmo chain.
1: David, oh, go ahead, Johnny,
2: sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say thank you for that that clarification because I think it's important that everybody understands that Babylon is essentially like a a more of like an emergency system for, um, you know, um, the the proof of stake. And and then obviously with the past unbinding times, but it's not meant to compete with the, the tender mint Consensus for the fast finality and whatnot.
4: Yes, so that's why that's another reason why we want to build on Cosmos because Cosmos have a very secure workhorse, which is Tendermint. And since we're providing a security solution, we need to build on something very secure. So we're not going to replace Tendermint; we're going to complement Tendermint. So it's important for us that Tendermint, the the workhorse, is very secure foundation.
1: That's that's perfect, David. I I wanted to just clarify something for myself. Whenever Johnny asked um, about Osmosis having a lot of traffic and if they would be able to timestamp on on Bitcoin, um, from my understanding, all the Cosmos chains would be like communicating to Babylon and Babylon would be the one timestamping, right? Yeah, that's right. Correct. Okay. So right.
4: The, the fact that there are many transactions on a chain like os- Osmosis it's not the most important thing because we are basically timestamping on a block by block level. We're not really timestamping. We're not really giving a different timestamp for each individual transaction, right? Because in some sense, the Bitcoin timestamping is kind of a crude, it's kind of a very inaccurate clock. It only gives you a crude timestamp. So we don't need to go and timestamp every single transaction. We only need to timestamp sort of a bunch of transactions.
1: And how often um, would you be timestamping then?
4: Okay. So so as I said, it takes a few hours to really confirm a transaction on Bitcoin. So therefore, we don't really need to timestamp much more frequent than the order of an hour. So timestamping, for example, every half an hour or even an hour, every hour is rather
5: sufficient for our purpose.
1: Yeah. And you, you did mention that by doing this, how fast would we we'd be able to unbond? Yeah. Or tokens.
4: Yeah. So the unbonding time would precisely be the time in which you're certain that the timestamp of the with unbonding request is confirmed on the Bitcoin chain. And if you're comfortable with one hour, that will be one hour. If you're comfortable with three hours or four hours, that will be three three or four hours. But you know, in a Bitcoin transaction, typically if you're free and three three or four hours deep into the bitcoin chain the chance that you get reverted is just astronomically small and so people should be very comfortable with that already
2: david you you you, uh, you mentioned in your previous uh, podcast um that this uh these cosmos chains will be inheriting this uh, bitcoin security through ibc because ibc isn't just a method of transferring tokens but it's also transferring security um can you talk a little bit more on that
5: yeah so um so one thing we discover really uh amazing to us is that uh you remember
4: that babylon so maybe one step back right so babylon so our goal is to give timestamp to allow individual cosmos zone to timestamp to get a bitcoin
5: timestamp that's our goal okay now one way of achieving this goal is that every single Cosmos zone, like 50 of them,
4: build their own individual infrastructure to timestamp directly to Bitcoin,
5: right? That's one goal. But that's one way of doing it. But this way is not scalable because today is 50 Cosmos zones.
4: Tomorrow, maybe 100, few hundred, if the Cosmos ecosystem is really successful. We're talking about thousands of Cosmos zones. Everybody directly checkpointing Bitcoin, Bitcoin will be completely overflowed with these so-called timestamp transactions. So our idea is that Babylon will be sort of the optimized timestamping layer, and it will be timestamping on behalf of many Cosmos zones, say 100 Cosmos zones. So the way we do it is that, first of all, each one of them Cosmos zone, will be timestamping onto Babylon, okay? And then Babylon, every now and then, will send a timestamp to Bitcoin. So if I combine the two pieces of information, I will get a timestamp for each of the Cosmos zone. Okay. So is that does that make sense or not? This, this is my first part of the explanation only, and then I'll talk about IBC. Absolutely. Okay. So now the question is, how does each individual cosmozone zone timestamp onto Babylon? What we discover, really amazing, is that actually an IBC connection is like synchronizing between one cosmos zone with another cosmos. zone. That mechanism by implicitly is already a timestamping
5: device. So it's like a heartbeat. You're kind of synchronizing each other. My heart is beating, your heart is beating, we're beating together.
4: So that, without doing any extra work, is already a timestamping device. And that's another amazing thing that we got so lucky with the Cosmos ecosystem is that, hey, Cosmos already have IBC, and therefore we can just directly use this infrastructure without much extra work to do this first step, which is a Cosmos zone timestamping onto Babylon, which is a Cosmos zone. And my main work, which we already done is from Babylon, timestamping on to Bitcoin. And that's a lot of work, but in our past few months under the leadership of Fisher and with a lot of work from Vitalis and other people, and that's what we accomplished in the past few months.
2: So it sounds like uh, besides, you know, Cosmos chains uh, being in need of security, IBC was also another major reason why you guys chose Cosmos in the first place. Yeah, we wish
4: we got so clever. But to be honest, this is something <laughs> we discover
5: as we look deeper into the uh, Cosmos tech stack. Just, nice. to be honest, just to be honest, just to be very honest.
3: I had a question next. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little more about the use cases of the Babylon architecture. Uh, I was reading one of the blogs and noticed a section talking about Bitcoin security can be used to bootstrap new zones which have low token valuation. I was just curious if you could elaborate on what bootstrapping new zones means.
5: Yeah, so, um, right. So as I mentioned, right, that um, Bitcoin timestamp can be used to provide Bitcoin level security to a certain transactions on your chain. And in the case of a brand
4: new chain, where the security level is low because the economic security is maintained mainly by the stake, then potentially you could have quite a large number of the transactions getting this Bitcoin level security. As your chain becomes more powerful yourself, then you can reduce the reliance on the Bitcoin security and only reserve the most important transactions to get this Bitcoin timestamp. So that's what we meant by sort of a bit a time a, a sort of a bootstrapping process. Does that make sense or should yes,
3: I Yes, yes, that makes sense. Thank you for the explanation. That clears it up. I, I appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Do you, do you see this as an advantage over um the implemented interchain security on Cosmos for for the smaller chains or or as a complementary aspect to it?
4: Yeah, I would say it's a different approach Uh, in a sense that we never, um, so the interchain security uses the, uh, Cosmos hub validators to validate for the new chain. We, on the other hand, will rely in the very get-go, there will be validators for the new chain and Bitcoin is kind of complementing the secure of that. And that perhaps allows sort of a more gradual transition for the validators, for the the new chain to grow in economic
5: value and therefore increase its own security. So I think it's kind of a different approach to the problem.
2: Got it, thank you.
5: Uh, David, I ha- I kind of
1: had a question about like, like how it actually w- will work. So will Babylon like send very little Bitcoin to, to in order to timestamp?
5: Yes. So yeah, in terms of the mechanism, uh, so, hey, maybe Fisher, do, do you think
4: we, I can have Fisher to answer this question? Because Fisher yeah, you know, is an expert in this, on this question on what to actually send to, the, to Bitcoin and how much it costs, et cetera. So Fisher,
6: you want to say a few words? Yeah, sure, happy, happy to do that. So traditionally, when people uh, think about uh, sending data to Bitcoin for checkpointing, think about uh, uh, the hash of a block header or the hash of the app state. But we prove that this is not secure because the hash can be uh, a bogus one anyone can create. So it's not secure. So what we, for security purpose, what we need to send to Bitcoin, it's actually assigned a header of some sort. Now what do we mean by sign? It should be signed by the vast majority of a validator set of the validators, just as the like two-thirds of the validators need to sign a block to commit it. Okay. But we know that yeah Bitcoin has a very very tight space. We can't afford to send send a list of signatures to Bitcoin. So yeah we use the latest a uh, cryptography uh, technology called uh, BLS multisig, which has a nice, very nice property that it allows you to aggregate multiple signatures, multiple BLS signatures into just one BLS signature and it is still verifiable. So we introduce BLS signature to our Boblin validators and ask them to sign BLS signature for the block. The Bob blocks we want to checkpoint to uh, Bitcoin, and then we aggregate the signatures into one and send it to Bitcoin along with some other metadata. So, the size of our checkpoint is only 100, around 130 bytes,
5: which can be uh, accommodated by two Bitcoin op return transactions. So, there's a type of
6: transaction in Bitcoin called op return transaction where it can allow you to upload uh, 80 80 bytes of arbitrary data. So we only need two such transactions to host one Boblin checkpoint. And the cost of this checkpointing, uh, according to the Bitcoin price uh, now, is about like $2. So each bobbling checkpoint costs about
1: $2. Okay, and and but that, like you're saying, because of the price right now, so that could change. Um, mm-hmm. What if what if Bitcoin goes to a million dollars? Like, what, um, would that affect um, how much you charge for it, or what do you have you guys thought um, all the way through that?
6: Yeah, so we do have a parameter on chain that allow us to control the checkpointing frequency to Bitcoin. So as David mentioned, we don't have to checkpoint very frequently to Bitcoin. our current thinking is about uh, every hour or every thirty minutes, but we can certainly uh, do the checkpointing even slower and less frequent to reduce the cost. But for now, yeah, yeah, we we prefer uh, like thirty minutes checkpointing interval to provide uh, like better quality of service to the consumer zones.
1: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That that makes sense. Um, because I I remembered. Uh, I think you were selling Cryptocito that it would cost. I think in here, ten thousand thousand dollars on it. David, correct me if I'm wrong. That's what the figure that you guys exactly. are talking about. And so yeah. I, yeah. I but that price,
4: how... I must say, just to give a caveat on that price, that price does go up and down quite significantly over the years. Oh, yeah, in fact, <laughs> yeah, about two years ago, although Bitcoin was, this, I think, lower actually two years ago, the transaction fees are actually significantly high. It was like 5X in this price. So there's a caveat on this number.
0: Gotcha. Whether or not
4: go to $1 million, uh, that is not very clear, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> it could go
4: 5X, I think. Uh, yeah. But one thing good about our technology is that uh, the, the, the cost and the amount of stuff we need to checkpoint to Bitcoin is pretty much independent of how many Cosmos nodes, or in general, how many proof-of-stake chains are using the service. So hopefully it will become successful and then there will be many chains using it. And this cost can be amortized across many chains.
1: Yeah. I I wanted to ask you that. Like, um, so like, what does Babylon chain need in order to be successful? Like, do you guys need us as a community or do you need protocols to be, you know, implementing you? Like what's the main thing that Babylon's looking for right now to be successful?
4: Yeah. So very good question. In fact, uh, we are definitely looking for partners to work with us in integrating Babylon with a Cosmo Zone. So we're looking for Cosmo Zone who work with us, and that is sort of the two aspects to this. One is that integrating with us basically means opening an IBC connection with us. They send us the IBC connection, we send them the Bitcoin timestamp on the other end, on the other direction. That's number one, that's a basic, uh, Integration. Second, very importantly, is uh, use that timestamp. Use that timestamp. And you know, in our blog, we already mentioned a few use cases. And hopefully, some of those use cases they will use, like fast and bonding. I think it's quite attractive. But more importantly, as more projects work with us, I'm quite sure that we will find new use cases of this timestamp. And I think. The success of the project is really on a lot of people working with us, the community working with us, developing new use cases, use cases that we're not even imagined at this point. And I think that would be a measure of success of the project, is to provide many different use cases for different chains, depending on the application. Again, consistent with the app chain thesis of of the uh, Cosmos community, different applications have different needs. So that's really what we're looking for, and that's what we're working hard on at this phase of the project.
2: I had a question regarding the unbonding. Um, So let's say, for example, Cosmos Hub integrates um, Babylon for timestamping, and now uh, the unbonding time is reduced to hours, like you stated. How would that work? Like, Would would you just have a shorter unbonding period, like through Kepler, when you just click on stake? Or is there like some third-party module that you guys are designing to, stake through uh, you guys and then have it stake through the chain? Like, Is there like a work around this?
4: Yeah, so the way we think about it is that uh, it will be through a governance change. So it, it can be Cosmos Hub or it could be, I think the answer to your question could be any Cosmos zone. We would be doing a modification to the unstaking module or staking module of the Cosmos uh, SDK. That module right now is the unbonding time is set to be a fixed number, typically 21 days, although some chains are 28 days and some chains are a little bit shorter, 14 days, but typically of the order of weeks. Instead of that, we our, our modification would be taking this timestamp information and trigger the unbonding once we receive the once the unsticking module received the timestamp. So it will not be through a third party, it will be through a Software upgrade on behalf of the chain, it will be a governance change, just like adding an IB governance change for the uh, Cosmos zone.
2: That's great to hear because that's a lot of friction reduced, where, uh, especially for like retail like us. We can just, well, we won't really see any changes on our end. Uh, it'll, uh, it'll happen Correct. on the
1: yeah, I, I don't see how um you know anyone will is gonna be opposed to being able to unbond their tokens in I think you said three and a half hours, right? Is what you've done so far. Yeah,
4: about yeah, about three to five hours. You know, Bitcoin is sometimes slow, sometimes fast, but usually
2: yeah, of the of that order. So from twenty one days to three to five hours, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is good because um, it incentivizes people to, you know, stake and secure their chains uh, as a proof of stake method, uh, since they won't have any slow unbonding times. Uh, But I had another question regarding this, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it it is using IBC, uh, it will be using IBC for the chains to receive the the timestamp. Um, Regarding the security of IBC itself, like, can Babylon... uh, be somehow used to secure IBC transactions, like to other chains, for example, from Cosmos to Osmosis? Because, you know, we had the recent Binance hack, which was like, kind of like a uh, a version of IBC that they were using, uh, which was exploited. So, and we've also seen a lot of bridge hacks. So I was, I was wondering, like, can this timestamp method be used to Im- improve the security of bridges? Yeah, so,
4: by the way, the Binance hack is the. I think the problem is that the Binance was using an outdated version of the Merkle improve, inclusion proof, so it wasn't really the IBC. Luckily, the IBC version of that of that software is a secure, bug bug free version of that. So I think there is not really an IBC issue, but it really is a using an outdated software on the behalf of the Binance chain. So just a side note, but In terms of using um, Babylon to increase the security of uh, IBC, yes, this is one thing we are uh, thinking about quite a bit. And uh, I think at this point, Fisher, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we're ready to sort of have a public discussion on this because
5: these are the ideas that we're working on. Yeah. So maybe we'll save that for hey, another cost yeah. space.
4: A few months yeah. later.
7: <laughs> I like it. <laughs> we Those are we roof. are
4: we are actually trying to work with some teams which are expert on bridges to try to find some interesting use case for um, Babylon. But I think uh, we will make that announcement more in due time rather than today.
1: So, David, um, I guess I'm, I'm kind of asking for a little bit of alpha on this because you've said that, you know, Zaki's advising you. You've talked to Sunny. Um, how likely do you think it is that, that they would implement it on like sommelier and uh, and osmosis? They would, in, you know, use Babylon on there.
4: Yeah, I think you're asking for alpha. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, that'd be a huge get.
4: <laughs> uh, yes. I if it's okay, I think I will pass on that opportunity to give an alpha, you know, because a partnership is uh, two sides, right? It's not just me, it's not just Babylon.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. So Definitely I feel that do it together. to yeah.
4: respect the other team, I feel
5: like we should announce it together if we decide to uh, work on this.
7: Yes, but yes.
5: <laughs> I love that. Thank you.
1: <laughs> now, I I did have some questions from the um, audience. I think when you just answered, they were asking if Babylon can be can can be used as time stamp between cosmo chains cosmos chains with each other. But you're saying that you're wanting to do that um, in the future, maybe. But that is something that you're discussing
4: yeah so i b c uh security is th- certainly one thing we're working on yes, but we're not quite ready at this moment to sort of um and discuss it in public yeah. at this moment
1: and and how do you like are you familiar with the mesh security that like Sonny was talking about in cosmoverse
4: yes very um, familiar
1: yeah um so how similar do you think it would be to to the mesh security
4: yeah i think actually i think Babylon Babylon security is very nice complementary to the MASH security world because in MASH security, the idea is that each chain can help every other chain, right? So there's no necessarily a, a, a central chain, but everybody help out each other and Babylon will be a party of this uh, MASH. And Babylon's specialty is to bring in Bitcoin security to inject that security into this mesh. And uh, so I think it will fit rather naturally. And actually, I'm looking forward to more discussion with Sunny and others on uh, mesh security.
2: Um, That you answered because my my, my concern was uh, since Babylon is like a middleman for for this uh, Bitcoin security, like uh you know what would happen if you know if it gets attacked right but number one it's already you know kind of being secured through bitcoin but it will also look to implement mesh security itself within the cosmos so that's that's news to me
4: yeah so i think uh babylon um being attacked so so one of the design principles that we had was to try to Maximize the trust on Bitcoin, which is a very secure chain, and minimize or reduce the trust on Babylon. So, a lot of the method that we use is basically something that the Cosmos Zone can verify for itself without trusting Babylon. So, for example, if I give you a timestamp, then I'll also, Babylon, if Babylon gives a Cosmos Zone a timestamp, it will also give a proof that this timestamp is actually uh, buried in the Bitcoin chain, say 20 block deep. So this proof is also given and the zone can actually verify the proof itself without
5: relying on, without trusting the Babylon validators. So that's sort of one of the principles underlying our design, minimize the trust on Babylon. Got it. Babylon is not a trust generator. It's a
4: efficiency. It's an aggregator and So to help everyone to easily and efficiently get the timestamp from Bitcoin. Very important. Babylon is not a generator of trust. Bit- Bitcoin is the source of trust.
2: Now, will there ever be a need for a token in your blockchain uh, that you, since it will be a, a, a Cosmos zone in a sense?
5: Yeah, so there has to be something that would incentivize the validators of Babylon.
4: So Babylon validators would be, it has to be incentivized to keep on working, to keep Babylon running. So Babylon um, has to be live. And so we need some incentive to do that. And one source of incentive would be a token, yes. Um, However, Zaki always teaches me something, which is, hey, try to at this stage of your project minimize talking about tokens and focus on the technology and the contribution to the cosmos ecosystem so we'll stick to that zaki (laughs) is a wise man
1: yeah he is yeah i know people always want to know like when airdrop and stuff like that but we won't do that here so don't worry about that Thank you, um, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I, I did you know, have a, we
4: need to, we want to contribute to the Cosmo ecosystem, so that's what we're really uh, yeah. laser focused on right now.
2: Yeah, that, that should be the main focus. I agree. It's historically, it's always been more successful when when protocols launch without uh, a token first uh, and prove to to them to be successful, and then they launch their token. You know, we can have several examples of that, like Uniswap, for example. But, but you know, despite this being a chain. Uh, like you said, it does need a token eventually to incentivize the validators uh, and you know this wasn't going towards an airdrop uh, i'm I'm much more uh, as uh, all other cosmos uh, people are much more interested in just you know uh securing this ecosystem rather than just receiving an airdrop
5: Thank you thank you
1: um do you do you think one of like the hardest things you'll have to tackle? is just knowing like how much to charge for the service that Babylon will provide?
4: Yeah, that would be a interesting problem. And it's certainly tied to also not only uh, but tied to some sort of the use cases that we can develop, right? So the use yeah. case is the one that provides the value to the Cosmos zone. And that value should have a coupling to how much we charge.
5: So that is uh, kind of further down the line.
1: Yeah, yeah. As
4: we develop sure.
5: more use cases.
1: No, I completely agree. And yeah, that that can't wait to to see when you guys get there. Um, Thank
4: you. We can't wait either.
1: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so um, I've I've run out of questions that I had, and so um, I'm wondering if Marty or or Yanni, if you have any any more questions for the team.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, regarding this, uh, have, you, have you guys thought of uh, implementing something similar to um, the Cosmos Hub where um, other chains that will be utilizing um, Babylon uh, pay you and their tokens in a way and those tokens go to the validators of uh, the Babylon chain where they can secure them and it's offering in a way, I guess, to incentivize, um, to run the chain, I guess.
5: Yeah, so... Yeah, since we have not really worked out the tokenomics
4: and Zaki told us not to discuss too much about tokenomics. So I think uh, we would like to have a way that uh, would be something that is uh, contributing to the tokenomics of the entire cosmos ecosystem. So that would be our guiding principle here in terms of designing our tokenomics. so one one difference though I want to point out between us and the uh, Cosmos hub interchange security, I think that's what you're alluding to there, is that our validators, the Babylon validators are not validating for our the Cosmos zones that are using Babylon. So in some sense, our security is kind of a little bit of a lighter touch security. It's not sharing the validator set, it's, using Bitcoin security to enhance the security of the Cosmos zone. I think, so there is a sort of a philosophical
5: difference between these two approaches to security.
2: So what I, what I think you're trying to get at here is that you're really just needing these validators just to keep the chain running rather than yeah, securing. That's right. right.
4: That's right. It's a liveness. It's a, in technical terms, it's like keeping the system
5: live, you know, keeping the system going. Got it.
3: I have uh, one more question for Vitalis or David. It's more of a general one. I was just curious, how difficult is it to build a checkpoint aggregation and data availability service? And do you guys have a rough idea or roadmap when the Babylon Zone will be completed and ready to connect to the IBC?
5: So Fisher, Vitalis, do you, want, you guys want to take that? Because
4: I talk a lot already. I, I'm, I'm tired of my own voice at this moment. Oh, yeah.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, for- I'll pass this, this chest to, to Vitalis. Yeah, it's midnight from, from his side, so mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we're, we're currently in the process of uh, starting building this. Uh, we have already built uh, VEITO, your own dog food chain, so Babylon working uh, with Bitcoin. And uh, now we're working on implementing stuff that will allow other people uh,
5: to, uh, to get the same service that we ourselves are getting from Bitcoin from us. Awesome. Yeah, we're actually we're actually looking for other projects to integrate with us. So, yeah, we
4: are talking to people already. So we are we should be ready to do some collaboration in the next few weeks.
3: That answered my next question. Thank you, David. <laughs> you beat me yeah, to it. The first hard. step
4: is to the first step is to open an IBC connection so that we can pass the timestamp back to
5: the chain. So that's the that's our very first step. Very concrete, but good first step, I think.
1: Okay, and so um, I'm wondering if anyone in the audience has any questions. If if they don't, then I really want to thank you guys for giving us uh, let's see, 80 minutes of your time. Like, I didn't realize how much time had passed by just because. Yeah, this is like the longest. This
4: is the longest, (laughs) longest uh, session I've done. Actually, this is a record. This is a record.
1: (laughs) Well, I I wanted to make sure I had the record. I wanted to make sure I had the record. So, thank you for letting me beat it. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I just want to thank y'all. Um, I definitely think the community needs to look more into Babylon. Uh, it seems like it. it's bringing a lot to the cosmos. You know, Zaki himself said that it's as big as Tendermint itself. So um, definitely something that they had been thinking about um, for a long time, and you guys went ahead and actually did something about it. So uh, definitely keep your eyes out for Babylon.
2: David thank you for having us um and thank you for answering our questions uh we learned a lot today and uh we definitely understand how significant it is for cosmos uh and even even in blockchain in general for you know potentially even providing services to other proof of stake networks but um yeah um'm excited to see um when you guys launch and um just uh, that the fact that you're contributing to cosmos is, is is a lot so appreciate it
4: thank you so much thank you so much for having us here
6: yeah thank you
3: yeah, yeah, thank you course. for all of your time and we uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do it and hope everyone's having a good day and good evening.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys on the next the next Cosmos Space.
0: Good night, yeah. everyone.
5: Bye bye. Yeah. Thank you everyone for good. Bye-bye, bye. Yeah.
0: Bye bye. Take care. Thanks for checking out another episode of the ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, hosted by Eric.io, chatting with David Say and the team from Babylon Chain. Recorded on Tuesday, October 11th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org donate and show some support. Well, we blow through the dust. Volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep the hands off when the play is a bust. Playing old and just so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide. Checking out the scene. Laser beam focused. star-screen jokers living off the bat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back with the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with a dead man swagger. Sitting in a little Danny vision in the middle man. Listen to the fatal man, play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, Trying to make the next bubble bu- bu- billion. How all the leaders seem reptilian, lost in the maze, trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Envision in the middleman, listen to the fiddle man, play a little ditty. Then talk about how while the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubububillion. Talk about how while the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bob ba spaces.